as I was kind of sitting there, I, <laughs> I didn't realize uh, the vacation Bible school thing in the wild. So as I look at this scene behind me, I feel like John the Baptist this afternoon, preaching in the wilderness. <laughs> And I was looking at that verse, John, I think it's what, 21, 31? Yeah, 20, 31. And I was trying to relate to the theme in that particular verse, and uh, I kind of gave up. But be as it may, I stand here this afternoon and preach in the wild. So kind of bear with me if I make any kind of derivation to the wild. So let's start bowing prayer, please. Father, we come this afternoon realizing and understanding that you have given us your holy word. And Lord, we confess that every word that proceeds from your mouth, we do give you thanks. And Lord, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father God, we just thank you for this story of redemption. And Lord, we pray that you would plant your word, that you would plant the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, deep down in the recesses of our heart, that we may not sin against you. And Lord, we have asked and prayed this in no other name, but Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. And all God people say amen. Uh -huh. I uh, have always been interested in the, the various roads that we must get on as far as the Christian walk, that had always kind of interests me. And I have titled this sermon, Traveling Down Some Bible Roads. And you'll see where this particular title came from. In open Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8, it says this, A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. Isaiah chapter 35, that's verse 8. The king's highway. The grass whittles and the flower falls, but the word of God endures forever. Now, this highway of holiness has three important characteristics. And the first one is found in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8, which we just read. And that road will be for those who walk on that way. And it says the unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about it. And the highway of holiness is a place of holiness. It is reserved for those who are righteous in God's sight. Christ alone provides the way of holiness. His righteousness is imputed to us, enabling us to be holy even as he is holy. The highway is reserved for God people alone, all those who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Second, uh, this highway of holiness is a place of safety. And you're going to see where this highway would eventually take us to because 
we will be part of this particular highway at some junction. So it's a place of safety, reserved for the redeemed of the Lord. Now listen to this. No lion will be there, nor any ravaging beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. And that's Isaiah 35, verse 9 and 10. God, people will experience safety on the highway. No wicked person symbolized by lions and ravaging beasts will be allowed on the highway. The redeemed of the Lord will walk there in peace and safety. And if you think about that, that's going to be the millennial reign. And we will be part of that. You know where the bear and the lion and the lamb and all of these will lie down together. And third, the highway of holiness will be a place of joy. So now you can see that this king's highway will be the millennium reign. And Jesus Christ will sit on the throne there in Jerusalem and we will reign with him. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and singing will flee away. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 10. Just as the ransomed captive would return joyfully from Babylon, all the redeemed of the Lord will enter the millennium kingdom rejoicing. Now Isaiah mention of a highway occurs again in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, referring to the first advent of the Messiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ came to direct us in the way of peace. And I'm kind of reading these uh, verses, and I kind of apologize, you know, that we don't really have them on display. But you, you're aware of this right here. But over in Matthew chapter 13, uh, or Matthew chapter 7, verses are 13 and 14. Chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it talks about the narrow way and the broad way. In the way that the W-A-Y is a roadway. It's the way we choose to go. And the gates are our choices. We can choose the narrow gate or we can choose the wide gate. So this is a roadway that we will make a choice we will get on. So with all of that said... In regards to the King Highway, let us look at some Bible roads that teach us about how we should travel the King Highway. So I want to look at some roads that teach us how to travel the King's Highway. And especially how to be part of that millennium reign that we just talked about. So now the first road is the road 
to Calvary. That's the first road. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, got on that road. And I think what I'm going to do is, it's something I did last Sunday evening, and I, I kind of really kind of enjoyed that, and we're a small group, and you can interact with me. And what I want you to do is look at John chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. John chapter 19, verse 16 and 17. And this road to Calvary is a road of reproach. And Jared, read those verses for me. John 19, verses 16 through 17. And listen to these as Jared, read them, because we want to pick up a road of reproach. Now, if you kind of notice that, these people have rejected Jesus. They express disapproval and disappointment and discredit and disgrace for Jesus. This is the road to Calvary. This is representative of what the cross is like. Okay? Now look at Luke chapter 23, verse 26 and 27. Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 27. And Dennis, would you read those verses for me, please? And as Dennis reading those verses, listen and see if you can pick up the road to Calvary being a sorrowful road. Okay? Read those for me, Dennis. See? It's a sorrowful road. The road to Calvary. See uh, the suffering the sinless one, body torn and believing, deserted by friends and justice, humiliated and carrying his own instrument of death until Simon Cyrene is compelled to carry it after him. And if you notice here, Jesus surrendered himself to death for our sake. Now look at Luke chapter 23 in that same chapter in verse 28 through 31. And Pastor Kidd, read those verses for me. Luke 23, verses 28 through 31. And as he's reading those verses, listen to the road of warning here. Now, you kind of notice the implication of what Jesus is making here, how he has been treated, and he's warning these people about the possibility of the road to Calvary. Now, listening to the road to Calvary, there are some lessons that we can learn. And we must realize that we must walk this road with Jesus, bearing our cross and bearing his reproach because we are not greater than the master. How they treated him is how they would treat us as well. So we must expect this. And we cannot be ashamed of being a Christian based upon how we are going to be treated by the so-called world. So we must walk this road, and we must walk this road with humility just as Jesus walked that 
road to Calvary. And we must walk this road as well as walk this road with joy because Jesus said, It was a joyful experience set before him to do what he did on our behalf. I'm kind of quoting that verse out of context, but you know that particular verse. And if we don't walk this road, you heard what Pastor Kidd read, we will be condemned and forever lost. So the King's Highway One road that we must get on is the road to Calvary. Now, another road that we must get on, and you're familiar with these roads, (laughs) this thing fell out here. I guess somebody's trying to tell me something. (laughs) But I think I'm beyond that particular point now because you guys know my secret. It's a vast amount of fear that I have ascending this one step into this pulpit. So, so you kind of found out there this morning. So uh, I'm not who put that here, but it's, it fell out on my feet here. So maybe I should take a few of these and put them in my pocket. <laughs> but anyway, this other road that I want to talk about, we talked about it last Sunday. The road to Damascus. And we all know that that's a road to salvation. The Damascus road is a road to salvation. And we get on that road only once. But also, remember prior to the road to Damascus, and you have to think of yourself as well, it may not be the extent that Paul did, but that's a road of persecution and unbelief. That's what Paul did. And I was thinking about this my own self, some things that I did prior to salvation, and some of it was persecution, and much of it was unbelief. Because I talked about people, put people down. I'm persecuting other Christian people. So this particular road, the road to Damascus, we are looking at the experience of Paul. And many times we would look at the life of someone else, how despicable their life were than to use our own life. But we did this as well. It may not be to the extent. But then on the other hand, if you really think about Paul repented. And that's the same thing that's happened to us as well prior to our salvation we eventually got on the road to Damascus where God confronted us and we surrendered to him. And Paul called upon the name of the Lord and he was baptized. Damascus road, that has happened to each and every one of us here. We've been baptized because that's the first command of obedience is to be baptized. And I just remember recently uh, my wife was ministering to a lady there in Birmingham, uh, and they got in a conversation about baptism, and she has not been baptized. And she approached me and say, is there anything that you can say to help her to obey that command? And we kind of got together and provided her some information. I don't know where she's at as of right now in obeying that command, but 
That's a command. And don't be obedient to that. And then, that Damascus road is a road where we are going to persevere in the faith. And that's exactly what Paul did. And that's exactly what we must do as well. Once we pick up that mantle of faith, no matter what happened in our lives, we must persevere in the faith. Because we have the truth. I was looking at something the other day. My wife was trying to encourage me to preach on something else. And I began to look at that. And I began to look at the Muslim. But then when I looked at Buddhism, I couldn't find that. But then that's another sermon in itself, but I just want to kind of throw that out there to have you to think about that. They all talk about one God. But there's works in all of their God for salvation. Well, that's not the case for us. Because, you know, I'm getting off of something there. But, but, but anyway, we must persevere and we must remain in the faith once we get on that road to Damascus. And some lessons that we can learn from the Damascus road is this. We live in sin and unbelief and we fight against God. And that's one thing that really got me that I never thought I needed to be saved because I never thought God and I had a problem. No, I can see myself having a problem against Jared. I can see myself having a problem against Dennis. But when people would tell me I have an issue with God, I never done nothing to God and God never done nothing to me. But then I began to understand that I was a sinner. And that's when the light bulb really went on. And by virtue of me being unsaved, I was fighting against God. And and that was so difficult for me to accept and receive and to understand that I was an enemy of God. And all our sins of the past can be forgiven once we get on that Damascus road. And when our sins are forgiven, we stop practicing sin. We begin to run away from sin. Now, the King's Highway, and we going toward the middle of the rain, and the major road that we must get on is the Damascus road, and that is road of salvation, a one-time road, and now here's the kicker right here. The next road I want to talk about is the road to Jericho. That's another road that we must get on as Christians. Once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we must get on the road of service. And that's the road to Jericho. And you think about last Sunday, we even we talk about that. We can talk about it here. When Paul surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, what was his next question? What would you have me to do? Lord, that was his salvation. The next thing, what would you have me to do? Service. And he called Paul to preach to the Gentiles. You know, so... We 
must get on the road to Jericho. So let's look at that particular road. Turn to um, Luke chapter 10. Go to Luke chapter 10 with me here. And look at verses, uh, let's see. I'm going to look at verses 29 through 37, but let's kind of break it up and just look at the road of choice first. As we get on the, the Jericho road, the first thing we have to do is to make some decisions. And look at Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 31. Luke 10, 30 through 31. You got that? Uh, Doug, read those verses for me. Luke 10, verses 31, yeah, 31 through 33. Yes, mm -hmm. Now, kind of notice that you've got three characters here. you got a priest, you got a uh, Jew, a, a Levi, and you got a Samaritan. Okay? Now, if my memory serves me correctly, there was over 20,000 priests in the nation at this particular time. And they would perform two weeks of duty. So now, here are these men on the road to Jericho, and here's a person that is injury, and they kind of pass him by. And you have to ask yourself, why did they do that? Perhaps this particular person is on their way to serve in the temple for his two weeks, and he don't want to be late. Perhaps the man is dead, and if the priest touched the man, that makes him what? So he goes his particular way. You see what's going on here? So they made the choice to not be late or not serve this particular man. So a needed person and they chose not to meet his needs. Now, each man's choice was consistent with the kind of heart that he had. Both men demonstrated that religious work does not make someone a true servant of God. Both men demonstrated that religious work does not make one a true servant of God. Okay? Now look at verses uh, 36 through 37. You got those verses? Oh, Mike, read those verses for me. Now you got to understand, and I don't want to take this out of context, if you back up, a young lawyer came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This was a question posed to Jesus, and here Jesus gives this particular example here. That's what's going on. So based on the verses that Mike read, this was the application is 
who showed compassion to this man? And we see that the Samaritan did. So Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Now here's something very interesting. Let's read verse 36. Now, listen to, uh, listen to this right here. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. It say, Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But notice this right here. How this Bible reads. Verse 33. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. Now think about this here. You got to think about this with me now. Did Jews have anything to do with Samaritan? So now this story that Jesus is telling it really, see, it really was a Levite priest. It really was a Levite priest and two Jews because he he goes in, he say verse thirteen, he say, but a certain Samaritan, and I'm gonna show you why I say that. Turn over to John chapter four, verse nine. Now Jesus changed this on this man. And we know that Jews had nothing to do with Samaritan. And I guess I can also say Samaritan had nothing to do with Jews. But we know that Jews looked down on Samaritan. They called them what? Dogs. So Jews would not even go through Samaritan. They would do what? Go around to get where they were going. But you remember Jesus stopped in Samaria and talked to the woman at the well. And what did the woman say? Okay. Now watch this right here. Yeah. Now watch this right here. Jack, read verse uh, John 4, 9 for me. John chapter 4, verse 9. Now listen to this right here. And based on what I said, Jesus interjected and change one man Jew to a Samaritan. So you see what happened here. Jesus talked to this Jewish lawyer who asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he used this story and he changed one of the person in this story to a Samaritan because this happened where? In Jericho. No Samaritans are found in Jericho. They're not allowed there. And I thought that was really interesting when I was looking at this here, and I was saying, oh man, wow. Yeah, I, I tell you, the Lord really shows me some little things. And sometimes I'm afraid to say them to people because they might think it's heretical thought or something. So I keep a lot of things to myself, but I just had to kind of reveal this to you because we read this story, we read this story just as those three characters 
But Jesus switched one of those men's there and called him a Samaritan. Okay, so look at verse, uh, verse uh, chapter 10, verse 33 through 35. Uh, the same book there, I'm sorry. Uh, Luke. We, we almost just kind of finished this up here. Luke 10, 33 through 35. Fake, read those verses up. All three characters saw this man in the condition that he was in, but only the Samaritan poured out compassion on him. And that's the very thing that Jesus Christ does. He loves us and he pours out compassion on us. And you see what the Jews are doing here in the Levites. So, you know, the Mara in this story is we all make choices to serve or deny service. We all make choices to serve or deny service. And whatever we choose to serve, others show the kind of heart we have. And this Samaritan showed a loving heart. And the Bible says what? Love thy Lord, thy God, with all thy what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's obviously the Jews treat the Samaritan like dogs at this particular time, but yet this Samaritan displayed and demonstrated compassion to a Jew. To a Jew. You know, so we, we see on this King Highway, we see a, 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 a road, a Damascus road that we must get on, a one-time road, and we see a Jericho road that we must get on, a road of service, and we're on that road until the Lord takes us home. And then the next road that we must get on is the road to Emmaus. 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 And look over at Luke chapter 24. The road to Emmaus. This is a road that I, I love all these roads, but this road here, I love this road. I love studying the Word of God. I really, really love studying the Word of God. I tell you. The road to Emmaus. And initially for these gentlemen, this was a road of doubt. And I think about my own self, you know, many, many years doubted the word of God. Now, if you think about this particular road, this road, these gentlemen had no reason to doubt because there was just so much information that you've got to believe. You must believe. Because the evidence before them went like this. Jesus a prophet. Jesus did mighty deeds. And Jesus performed these mighty deeds before peoples in words. Jesus Christ was condemned to death. There was testimonies of women and angels. 
There was an empty tomb. All these things, these men had enough information to believe, but yet they doubted. Now, it's very important that these people really wanted to believe. They wanted to believe. But they could not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They could not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Because they was expecting some military ruler to come into the area and overthrow Rome and free them. So out of that, Jesus was rejected. So now these men are traveling this road with no hope. Traveling the road to Emmaus with no hope. And as I said, they wanted to believe but were not yet willing to accept the evidence that they had sought over and over that Jesus had performed. A road of no hope of being rescued from the Roman government. But we all know that this road became a road of hope because Jesus expounded upon the scripture throughout the whole testament. And this is where it all came to light. So let's kind of put these verses together here. Luke chapter 24. And I want to read, uh, we're going to just skip some verses, but kind of put them together. Luke 24, look at verse 21, 27, 32, and 35. Luke 24, verse 21, 27, 32, and 35. Christian, you have those verses of freedom, folks. Hear what she said? Just back up, Christian. We had hope. Now, see that? You know, it was a road of no hope. Now, all of a sudden, it's a road of hope. And he expounded on the scriptures. Moses, the law, and the prophets, etc., etc. And he walking with these gentlemen, two, two gentlemen, on their way home, on this road to Emmaus. And Jesus got into their home, and he became the host. And he began to serve them. And they recognized Jesus based upon this. Now, if I came down here, and I gave the pastor this, what is he going to do? He's going to look at this and look at my what? My hands. So when these men look to receive the bread of Jesus, what do they see? The star on Jesus' hands. And what did they do after that? They ran 18 miles back to tell they could find it for good news. Get out of heart, garden. And when Jesus served them the bread, they had to look 
and they saw the nails pierced hands, and they flee back to tell the good news. So you see, this road became a road of hope. And I like that road because we get on that road and we will stay on that road until the Lord calls us home. And that's the thing I like about the Sunday school class. That's the road that we are. We come Sunday after Sunday on the Emmaus road. Their doubts was overcome with a Bible lesson. And that's what we got to do here is teach the Bible lesson tomorrow, Vacation Bible School, to these young kids that they may get on the Damascus Road. Because we know that faith come by what? That's what you got to do tomorrow, teachers, whoever is coming out to make sure that you teach in such a manner that you get these young kids on the Damascus Road. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. Don't teach to this. Teach to their heart. Jesus wants their heart. Teach to their heart. Before you can get to their heart, but you got to get to the what? And if this reject the word, then it can't get here. So that's why you got to be so passionate about teaching and preaching the word of God that when people leave out, you would have so convinced them that he believed that. And that's what I want people to see in me. When I teach, I want them to say, this man actually believed this. And that's what you got to do is teach with a passion. So, secure your faith by studying and believing the Bible. So you see the road to heaven, the King Highway takes us to Calvary, it takes us to Emmaus, it takes us to the Damascus Road, and it takes us to the road to Jericho. So we bow with me in prayer. Our Father, who is our God, we come, Lord, just to say thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your holy word. We praise you, Lord, for this scriptural picture of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that your grace, that this picture would be evidence in our lives. We pray, Lord, for strength and help to live to the glory of Christ. We pray if there be anyone who are not disciples of Christ, that your grace would make them so. So Lord, how grateful are we that you can take one like Saul of Tarsus, breathing threats and murder, and make him a trophy of your grace. Father, may that be an encouragement to us this evening and tomorrow, Lord, and all during the week of Vacation Bible School, that you may draw others to you, Lord, by the light of your holy word. And all of God's people say, Amen.